is the BearCast, presented by Bird Culture and Ford. Bird Culture and Ford has been in Waco since 1936. Ford is the number one selling truck in Texas, 43 years running. The BearCast is also presented by WellMed Medical Management and USMD Health System Dallas. Here's Craig Smoke and Grayson Grundhafer. And good afternoon on this Tuesday, January the 31st, 2023. The last day of January has brought with it a boatload of news, but also some icy weather here to Central Texas. I'm Craig Smoke, Sikkim365.com, 365 Sports. And this is the BearCast, and there is a lot to unpack. But because of that icy weather that I mentioned, I don't have the full array of folks here in the studio today. I, I am not alone we do have Garrett Ross. We do have Jack McKenzie behind the scenes. Uh, but we are also uh, joined remotely as we deal with some uh, already some icy interference into this broadcast. We are joined remotely by Grayson Grunhafer, and uh, we will effort getting him onto the broadcast uh, here momentarily uh, so that uh, we can we have him, Garrett, uh, so that we can get right on into things because we are limited today, folks. This is going to be a one-hour episode on the dot because in 59 minutes from now, as the Big 12 Conference alerted us to yesterday, they will be finally releasing their 2023 conference schedules. Well, for all 12 teams, uh, 14 teams actually, with the, the new additions and also the holdovers of Texas and Oklahoma, but maybe really for 13 teams because one team got a little uh, wily last night and accidentally... Uh, released their schedule, which we got a hold of. So we possibly know of at least one game for a lot of the schools out in the Big 12, but we will know about the full Big 12 schedule for 2023 coming up here in less than an hour. So we actually are going to have the BearCast here for the next hour, and then starting at 1 o'clock, Smokey and Paul will be in here. We'll have a special 1-4 to four edition of 365 Sports rather than the, new, the normal 3-6. to six so that we can discuss the schedule live as it drops. So we are with you. I'm with you, Garrett and Jack, for the next four hours. But for the next 60 minutes, also join remotely because of the icy weather here in Central Texas by Grayson Grunhafer of Sikkim365.com. And Grayson, uh, how are we doing on this frigid Tuesday afternoon? Yeah, guys, I mean, it's uh, it's an interesting time, right? And we've had this before, you know, this ice storm stuff. So uh, just experiencing it again, tough to get to Waco when it's like that. So, yeah, we do it remotely. And it's going to be a fun show today, I think, though, because we get to talk about Junior Day a little bit. We get about some recruiting things that have happened as of actually literally an hour ago. Um, and then, of course, the Big 12 schedule, which is something I know everyone's been waiting for for a long time. So uh, I'm excited. I think we got a lot out today. And like you said, we have through all of it. So, so it should be fun and fast paced. Yeah, it should be. So uh, we will just dive right in because there is a lot of news to get to, uh, including the big uh, visit weekend. Uh, a lot of prospects in town for the 2024 class uh, to tour. Uh, get to know, uh, see, meet, hang out with the coaches and uh, do all the, the usual uh, recruiting stuff, uh, so to speak, Grayson. But uh, there was not a, you know, a boatload of bear signals on Sunday as the weekend was wrapping up uh, to the probably displeasure of many. They were hoping that the, the weekend would end with a bunch of big splashes. And that wasn't necessarily the case. There was positive impressions made, but nothing really to go off of other than that. 
And then today, well, today uh, we've already seen two commitments uh, coming out of this weekend from the last um, from this last weekend. So uh, let's get into it. Uh, Colton Siraki and go ahead and lead off with all this uh, big offensive lineman out of the Woodlands. That uh, name, last name, should sound familiar to Baylor fans out there, and I'll let you explain why. But uh, a couple of commits coming in this morning, and uh, this one on the offensive line uh, for Eric Mateos, Jeff Grimes, Dave Aranda, and company. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a big one, right? Because this one with Colton, uh, getting him in the fold, obviously his brother was in the 2022 class. That's Caden Siraki. Uh, two very different body types, at least at this point. Colton is about 6'3", uh, 305 pounds, whereas his brother, when he got to Baylor, he was like 6'6", 6'7", 320 pounds. So very different in that regard. Caden, more of a tackle. Colton, who just committed today, is looking like he's probably going to fit in at the center position, which I find really intriguing because uh, Baylor's been working with Jacob Gall at the center spot. Gall was probably right around six foot, maybe six foot one. Uh, so Colton definitely brings a little more size to the position, uh, which is certainly intriguing. Uh, he had offers from Nebraska, Texas Tech, TCU, uh, Houston, a few others as well. Uh, a very good prospect. The Bears were his first offer. It was actually one of those fun offers where he and his brother were both at camp. Um, and it was during, you know, Caden's right before Caden's senior year. And they ended up offering both of them at that camp. They became Colton's first offer. Caden committed shortly after that. Um, and they've been coming to Baylor games for the last year, year and a half. And I think Colton really just fell in love with this program, fell in love with you know, the fact that Eric Mateos could be his coach and film of playing with his brother uh, on this Baylor football team as well. I know they're extremely close. And so just adding to the family a little bit uh, for Baylor and for the Siraki. So a great moment for them and one that I remember for a while. And uh, I'm excited for this one. This is one we expected. We expected him to be in this class. Um, but it was also a situation where Baylor doesn't have a lot of spots in a 2024 class. So it kind of shows you the kind of prospect they think Colton is uh, and can become. So it's a, a very nice get, I think, for Eric Mateus and the staff. So uh, there was one commit coming out of this weekend, and we'll dive more into just the actual weekend itself and, and all of that. But I want to make sure we hit the high points here because, again, coming up at 1 o'clock, the Big 12 schedule release. Smokey and Paul, myself, from 1 to 4, will be going through all of that. Baylor's schedule, the rest of the Big 12, and what will be a very unique year. So um, we got a lot of high points to hit, Grayson, and, and we weren't even expecting any commits this morning necessarily, but Colton Siraki drops about an hour ago and uh, right around that same time frame, uh, right a little bit before or uh, after, I, I think it was right before, right? Uh, uh, shortly before, uh, another com or a second commit for the 2024 class before Siraki, um, Jacob Redding out of New Braunfels announced that he was committing to Baylor, uh, said, I'm blessed to announce to be committing to Baylor University. God is good. Had the graphic up at around uh, 10 o'clock or so this morning. And uh, he is a new member of the 2024 Baylor recruiting class. And, and we will mention that uh, this is not the start of this 2024 class because there is Lorena wide receiver Jaden Porter, a local product who committed months and months ago. He actually got the, the ball – 
you know, a, a rolling, so to speak. And I know there was maybe some, uh, when there's some Dangerfield kids, uh, right, that were, were committed. At, like Aaron Hampton, I think, was committed at one point and decommitted. But Jaden Porter's been kind of the, the guy for a while now. So he's got a couple of buddies, Soraki and, and also Jacob Redding. So your thoughts on, on Redding and uh, what this means for the 2024 class? So, actually, Craig Redding is a preferred walk-on okay. who's committing in the 2023 class. So, he was okay. a senior, which is no big deal at all. We can kind of go through a couple of things in that regard because uh, it is important. So, Redding plays at New Braunfels. Uh, he just wrapped up his senior year this past season. Uh, had like 125 tackles, four interceptions, three forced fumbles. Had a very productive year. Uh, for New Braunfels, a, a pretty good New Braunfels team that you know made a little bit of a run in the playoffs before they lost to Austin Westlake. Um, but yeah, so he's going to be a walk-on. They added uh, Cade Tessier, who is out of Montgomery Lake Creek uh, High School. He's a guy who um, is another quarterback addition. Both these guys will arrive in the summer uh, and be added to that walk-on program that's done so well for the Bear. Uh, you know, David Wetzel really leading that charge. Uh, for the walk-on group. So, yeah, two great additions for the Bears uh, in the preferred walk-on category uh, and guys who will arrive in the summer. Okay, so I'm glad that you clarified that there. I got caught up in the hoopla of just commits dropping and just assumed wrongfully. That's why you should always do your homework if you're allowed to. But, uh, okay, Jacob Redding and, as you mentioned, Tessier, uh, there with the the preferred walk-on. So, Soraki in the 2024 class, just to be clear there. So, Grayson... There's Porter and Soraki now in that 2024 class. There was the visits this past weekend. Uh, kind of where do we sit now? What do you want to talk about in terms of uh, who was on campus and what was going on and what the impact was that was made? At, uh, you know, what's the, what's the kind of the gist moving forward here? Yeah, so, I mean, th this was a big weekend uh, for the Baylor staff. Um, but I, I think going into it, we kind of had this idea that, you know, they'd come out and try to land a bunch of commits, you know, that this could be a weekend for that. I think a lot of people have that in their mind. Uh, but the fact of the matter is Baylor doesn't have a lot of spots. And so since they don't have a lot of spots in this class, it, make things, it made things a little bit difficult um, to really kind of go too deep into – uh, you know, adding commits and into bringing in too many guys to the full. All right, let's stop so, there. We're having some technical difficulties. Go ahead and bring him down, guys. All right. We're going to take a spot here to get some technical difficulties sorted out because it's just not working, this uh, this connection with Grayson. It's just it's dragging out way too much and uh, and, and too choppy. So, uh, tell you what, we're going to reconnect with him, get him back on the phone lines, <clears throat> so at least that's a little bit clearer, and we can get the information across that we need to get across. Um, but, uh, yeah, Grayson now joining us on the phone lines. Grayson, let's restart here. To, uh, to re we have him or no? Okay, so we have Grayson on the phone lines. Grayson, let's restart here. Uh, talking about the 2024 weekend, we talked a bit about Colton Siraki. He committed coming out of this weekend. He joins Jaden Porter as members of the 2024 class. Porter having committed months and months ago. Siraki, as you mentioned, a big addition on the offensive line. Joins his brother, who is a signee 
to Baylor in the 2023 class, so a nice family connection there. Also added a couple of preferred walk-ons, uh, which you just addressed, including uh, one earlier this morning from New Braunfels, Jacob Redding. So just kind of resetting the table there of where we are. A couple preferred walk-ons. Also, Colton Sorokin, the 2024 class, now addressing the rest of the weekend where they had all these visitors in. Uh, let's restart there and, and pick up on the impact. Uh, you mentioned I did catch part of the fact that this is a very small class, and I think that's a very important storyline when talking about recruiting moving forward. So uh, start about right there, Grayson, if you would. Yeah, you're exactly right, Craig, and I, I think that was something that maybe got overlooked a little bit. Um, I would say I think on everyone's end, right, is that this idea that you know, Baylor could bring in all these guys and try to take a bunch of them in this class and add a bunch of prospects to the fold after this weekend. But the fact of the matter is they just don't have a ton of room to be able to do that. So they have to be really smart with their spots and really smart with the positions they address. Um, and I think that's one storyline to keep an eye on is that, yeah, while you might be in line to land, you know, five offensive linemen in this class, Baylor simply can't afford to do that because they've spent a lot of their scholarship spots on the offensive line over the past few years so this class will likely be a little bit lighter in that regard you know you'll probably still take two or three but it won't be you know the four five or six guys that we've seen in past seasons so i think that was a, a key storyline coming out of the weekend um i think that you know going into this weekend as well you know we talked about the fact that walker white the quarterback out of arkansas visited earlier in the week um so it's kind of one of those things who's baylor going to bring in uh, for the quarterback uh, in this 2024 class, who are they going to try to keep an eye on? And it ended up being New Braunfels Canyon quarterback, Deuce Adams. Um, so he came on campus. Uh, he got to talk to the staff. They've been talking for a long time. And then it really kept, just came down to, you know, are they going to offer enough? And currently Baylor hasn't pulled the trigger with an offer yet, um, but they're definitely getting to know him, working on building that relationship and trying to figure out if he's going to be, you know, a guy that is worth an offer. Uh, at the quarterback position, he actually got a Boston College offer yesterday. So things are trending up there. Uh, keep an eye on him going forward. Baylor's definitely recruiting him uh, pretty heavily. Uh, as far as other storylines, I think, you know, just looking around at the guys that they brought in, a lot of linebackers, a lot of safeties. That makes a ton of sense, right? Because in this last class, they lost commitments from Christian Brathwaite, Antari, and York, uh, which made things really tough at the linebacker position. So in this class, they're going to have to address that specifically, and they're really going to have to try to land a couple priority guys to add some depth to that room as well as talent. And then safety, you know, as we know with the safety position, we've seen, you know, kind of this group, you know, they had some older guys this past year that didn't quite develop the way that you hoped with Al Walcott, Devin Neal, uh, Christian Morgan. You know, it was an okay group, but they really didn't reach the ceiling. I think people, you know, were hoping for them. And I think we kind of discounted the losses of JT Woods and Jalen Petrie maybe a little bit too much. Um, so I do think this is going to be a position that they really focus on addressing. Uh, they're definitely going to be looking for uh, a star, uh, for sure, a field safety as well, kind of a longer rangier prospect, you know, to, to try to, you know, make up for that loss to JT Woods. Because if you look on campus, they don't really have someone like that. Now, is it easy to find a JT Woods type prospect? No. Um, but they still want to go find someone to add some more speed back there, more speed at the boundary, and then, of course, more playmaking at the star position. So those two positions seem to be you know, real focal points 
uh, for this staff this weekend. So did you get any sort of impression on the impact of having Matthew Pallage back, having Christian Robinson in the fold? I know there's been some other hires as well. So, you know, recruiting department uh, changes. Uh, what did you gather or, or did you hear much at all in terms of just kind of, you know, the way Baylor played host and uh, kind of the vibe surrounding the program right now? Right. So the one that I didn't hear a lot about was actually A.J. Stewart. Uh, the running back um, coach, the new running back coach, assistant head coach. I didn't hear a ton on him. You know, I know Lancaster running back, Quan Lacey, got to talk to him some. They're building a connection. Um, so he was kind of the main one. And I do think that's going to change going forward. And he definitely talked with people. But I don't think the impression, I didn't get a ton of impressions on him, uh, at least from this weekend. Now the other two, big time. Like Christian Robinson, his relationship with, uh, Jasper linebacker Ty Anthony Smith is definitely something to watch. They have a great connection. Um, Ty Anthony's really been one of the focal points for them in this class for a long, long time now. Um, and he's going to continue to blow up. His recruitment's going to change here in a little bit. He's currently a high three star. That's going to change very, very soon. Uh, he's a very, very elite prospect and one I actually got to see in person a couple weekends ago at the next level athlete camp where he won MVP of the camp was just, he had a great day um, and really showed a lot of things with his length, size, ability in the past game. Uh, just a very good player. His relationship with Christian Robinson is one to keep an eye on. There are a few other linebackers that talked about Robinson as well, and you can just tell there's a good relationship there with him, and he's already been building those relationships uh, thanks to offering some guys at Auburn and thanks to uh, just knowing these guys and having a relationship with them uh, even before he got to Baylor. Now, as far as Pallage goes, you know, his was kind of um, also extremely interesting because you look at the guys that were on campus, you know, a few of them already had great relationships with the Baylor staff. We're going to visit whether Pallage was there or not. But two in particular were definitely at Baylor because of their relationship with Pallage. And it was actually two guys who are very, very highly rated uh, prospects. So uh, didn't guy our cornerback Eli Bowen, he's a national four-star prospect his brother Peyton uh, was recruited heavily by Matthew Pallage at Oregon uh, he ended up choosing Oklahoma but there was a lot of drama in there at the end because of that relationship with Matthew Pallage and then Louisville four-star safety Jaden Hardy another one who was recruited by Pallage at Oregon and while Pallage was at Baylor the first time uh, so those two guys clearly great relationship with Matthew Pallage came to Baylor pretty much because he was there um, and that's a great sign and then the other guys that I talked to, uh, you know, at the safety position really enjoyed their time getting to talk to Matthew Pallage, getting to know him even better. Um, a lot of them knew him during his first time at Baylor, and then some even got communicated with while he was at Oregon. But it's very clear he's had a lot of conversations with many, many Texas uh, safety and defensive back prospects. And it's clear that there's a lot of interest there and that he relates pretty well uh, with the recruits, which is a big deal for not only the defense coordinator, but a guy that's really trying to retool in the secondary. So there's a little bit of a, of a junior day wrap-up for you. As uh, There's a lot more information, a lot of talk on the site coming out of the big champions weekend uh, for Baylor as uh, they work on this 2024 class and uh, try to, to, to build the roots, build the foundation, I should say, grow the roots of this 2024 class. 
Uh, if you're just joining us, we've just discussed the new commitment this morning of 2024 offensive lineman Colton Siraki, his brother Caden already on the roster as of last year. So the second member of the 2024 class also walk on Jacob Redding of New Braunfels. Uh, becoming a, another member of this football program, uh, heading into to next year. So a couple of those uh, notes dropping this morning. Grayson, I know we've got other things to talk about. And again, coming up at 1 o'clock, the Big 12 schedule drop. And uh, I will talk to you about that here in just a few moments, get your thoughts on on what we might see here in a little while. But anything else out of junior day? You got the two – or you got the commit today. You got the walk-on commit as well, preferred walk-on commit uh, in addition to Siraki, uh, we just talked about some of the impressions. Is there anything we're not touching on as far as the importance coming out of this weekend that's, you know, not obviously for premium eyes only? Right. I, I think that in general, this was just a really well done weekend by the Baylor staff. Essentially, you know, it was just a day of guys coming in, um, getting to see campus a little bit, but primarily the entire day was kind of about what Dave Aranda has preached, which is this person over player thing um, and building these relationships. And so it literally was, you know, going to lunch, talking to every coach, um, kind of rotating, you know, from table to table coaches would go. And that was for like two or three hours. And then the guys watched the uh, NFC championship game. But, you know, in general, it just was totally about relationships, which is something that, um, this Baylor staff has preached and really talked about, and they really mean it. And so I think that's one thing that uh, is important to keep an eye on and something that every single recruit that I talked to who visited this weekend mentioned. That was like the first thing they mentioned was just, you know, how genuine the staff was and how it was all about relationships the entire weekend. And so while Baylor not, may not win a lot of battles on the NIL uh, part of things, uh, at least at this time, Baylor is going to try to win a lot of battles for guys that fit their program and guys that they have a great relationship with, uh, which is key when you're talking about, you know, roster turnover and roster management and keeping guys, uh, you know, really active and into Baylor, even if they're not playing. Um, it's a big deal. and something that this Baylor staff takes really seriously, and they did a great job with it over the weekend. I felt like that's something really important to address because it's one of those things that speaks to the culture of what Dave Rand and the staff are trying to build. And just to reiterate, this will be a smaller 2024 class, less than 20, more like 15-ish, uh, which is a small number. Uh, and you get that every few years, especially if you retain guys or you hit the transfer portal as they have very hard, you know, picking up double-digit number of guys. So to have their second commit in the fold, um, there's, you know, 12 or 13 more guys, but that's that's not a lot in the grand scheme of things. So uh, that is uh, something to note moving forward when talking about Baylor and this 2024 class that they are starting to build uh, now with Jaden Porter of Lorena and as of this morning, Colton Siraki of the Woodlands. So turning the page from football because we'll have plenty of football to talk about here starting at 1 o'clock with the schedule release. Uh, basketball on the men's side of things. Uh, last night, the winning streak came to a close big Monday in Austin. The Bears fall to the Longhorns 76-71 to at the Moody Center. Uh, but Grayson, since we last talked, I mean, the last time we had an episode, it was fresh off the heels of the win over Kansas. And then they turned around and had a really hard-fought win over Arkansas on Saturday as the Big 12 dominated the Big 12 SEC Challenge, uh, its final year taking place. Uh, the Big 12 goes out on top 
uh, with a 7-3 margin. The Bears, one of those seven wins. The Longhorns actually among those losses, but a very good team uh, they lost to in number two, Tennessee. You could tell that both teams were a little bit gassed uh, going into the quick turnaround of Big Monday. And, uh, you know, you could say coming out of that game, hey, Texas is just a better team. Texas played better. Uh, Bears didn't have a lot of shots falling at times. And, you know, you can break it down a million different ways, but how do you look at last night? And, and even if you want to extend it to, to Arkansas and the, the end of that winning streak, uh, how do you, you know, kind of uh, look at the Bears right now basketball-wise after the last few results? I think it was just one of those games last night where Texas was making shots and Texas was kind of getting into areas to make shots a little bit better than Baylor was. Uh, I mean, Baylor shot 13 more. uh, They attempted 13 more field goals than Texas. But the problem was the Bears shot 37%, whereas Texas shot 47%. And in general, that was kind of the difference in the game, uh, to be honest, is the Bears just weren't really making shots. And that happens sometimes with this Baylor team. And, you know, it's tough, right, because for a number of reasons. So Langston Love didn't play last night. Uh, He's dealing with an injury. He should be back soon. But not having him, I, I felt like, really hampered their bench production. Uh, they only got six points off the bench, whereas Texas, I think, had like 30 points off their bench or maybe even more than that uh, last night. That was another key difference as well. But I think in general, when I watch Baylor play, the one big issue that I see is that it continues to be a lot of one-on-one hero basketball, and that's indicative by the fact that they only had nine assists yesterday. Um, so they're doing a lot of one-on-one type things. And while that can work sometimes because they have elite talent with George Pryor and Flagler, at other times you're going to have nights where those guys don't shoot well and their inability to get easy looks is a big problem. And on the Texas side of things, you know, they had some layups, they had some dunks, they had some, you know, easy one-on-one opportunities in the post where they're just getting easy looks for Timmy Allen. Baylor just didn't have a lot of those, and it felt like Baylor was settling more times than not. So I was disappointed in that. I think in the Arkansas game, it was actually very similar, uh, a very similar problem. Uh, the Bears were just able to overcome it. Uh, but last night, they weren't able to. They took a couple of questionable shots late in the game from uh, Adam Flagler and Keontae George. Um, that Really, they could have won the game, even though they simply, you know, you watched the whole game, and Fran Priscilla mentioned it multiple times, that it felt like Texas should have been up by – you know, 12 points, yet Baylor just kept staying in the game, kept keeping it close, uh, but ultimately uh, the Bears weren't able to get over the hump. So I still think it's a good team, but there's clearly some things they need to clean up, and I I think a big part of it is just finding ways to manufacture easier points and easier buckets as opposed to having to go one-on-one for, you know, an entire 40 minutes. Yeah, there's some things you can get away with on certain nights against lesser teams or, or, you know, or even similar teams, but just uh, on a different night, it falls a different way for you. And last night, Texas just better. Baylor's shot's not falling. And just and like you mentioned, though, even despite some of the struggles, uh, whatever area you want to point to, um, still in that game. I mean, all the way into the end, and I think that's what everybody was sort of – marveling at was like how are we not watching a 
you know, a, a, a more blowout style, or not even blowout, but yeah, more of a of a Texas advantage throughout this game. Uh, yeah, so you, you give some credit there for scrapping and, and giving yourself an opportunity because ugly wins count the same as pretty wins. But uh, unfortunately, the win streak comes to a close. So now this Saturday, it'll be Texas Tech who suddenly won a couple of games uh, when they, they desperately needed to, to have some positivity. They've now, um, you know, grabbed a couple here over the last few days. Uh, so that ought to be interesting this Saturday in Waco. Uh, so that's upcoming now for the Baylor men. And uh, if you would pop on here, Garrett, so we can get our customary uh, conversation on the women's side of things, as we don't want to leave uh, Nikki Collin and company out of the mix as well. Uh, the win over Texas Tech was uh, emphatic. 20-point win over the Red Raiders out in Lubbock on Saturday, 79-59. to 59. That was their only game last week. Mm -hmm. And they're coming off that tough loss to Texas, and you're kind of wondering, like, sort of where are they in the mix how you, I mean, only one game to go off of, but what did you make of uh, Nikki Collin and crew this past weekend? I think this is a situation where you couldn't have asked for a better bounce back. Um, you headed into Tech. It was a packed house. They were honoring the 93 national championship team. Um, you know, it's kind of similar to what the football team did with bringing everybody out as Baylor went out to Lubbock. But uh, early on in the game, Jaden Owens had a, a situation where she uh, – smashed heads with the tech player under the basket it was really brutal looking uh she missed uh, left the game she was able to come back in and whereas uh instead of kind of being hesitant she took over you know we've talked over the past few weeks about her scoring struggles uh she comes out drops 16 on the red raiders and i think this was probably the best offensive cohesiveness that baylor has put together in quite some time you had um five different players scoring double figures. They were able to really control the paint. Uh, looking at Tech going in, it was just a matter of Bree Amber Scott and keeping her off the boards. Um, Baylor did a really good job of that. While she had 22, as a whole, Baylor just stepped up, and I think they took advantage of a situation and got a must-needed win. And it's kind of weird when you look at the Tech team because they're one of these weird programs who – they struggle at home for whatever reason, but they most of their wins come on the road. But Baylor went into a hostile environment, and they came out with a, a win, and it's something to build on, man. Yeah, I mean, they yeah, it absolutely is. Uh, so now five and three in the Big Twelve, and create a little two-game separation there between themselves and, and kind of the bottom of the barrel uh, standings-wise. Uh, when you're looking at like Tech, I mean, you could find yourself in that position if you're Nikki Collin and company losing a game like that. So instead, you win by 20. That's very encouraging, as you mentioned. A lot of big contributions. Caitlin Bickle continues doing her thing. It's going to be sad to see her graduate. Uh, here pretty soon, but thankfully she came back this year because she's been absolutely massive for this team. Dariana Littlepage-Bugs continues to just grow and and thrive, and I know that they've been – like she didn't start, right? right? And that was a notable thing, that she didn't start, and I guess, you know – Whatever message they're sending and whatever's kind of going on, that that that's uh that was effective for them. It was a it was kind of odd because last the game against Texas, she was held without a double double. She had seven straight double doubles going into that game, and there was a lot of talk about the the freshman matchup with the uh, Tex. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on her name, but they have a young star freshman as well, and a lot of the emphasis emphasis was watching that matchup and. Dariana Littlepage-Bugs showed that why she is uh, one of the top players in the Big 12 and why she's going to be an anchor for this team going forward. Yeah, she's been very good. So uh, seeing her put up points and, uh, you know, grab boards and just do whatever uh, has been very encouraging when you're taking a look at not just this year and but also moving forward beyond this year. She's certainly one of your anchors that I think you're looking at there. But, yeah, uh, Jade Nowens had 16. 
uh, Bella Fonselroy, another young player, uh, also getting into the mix with 10 points. I mean, contributions all over the place, uh, up and down the, the roster. So a good win for uh, Nikki Collin and the Baylor women. And Grayson, anything on that? Yeah, I mean, just I think it's of note uh, that the simple spot, the simple thing is Baylor's only a game off in the loss column mm-hmm. for being at the top of the conference. So um, that's kind of where the Bears are at. They've still been able to hang around and just chip and claw and try to find their way back into this Big 12 race. And with Oklahoma, I believe, losing twice this past week, they have three losses now. So the top of the conference is Iowa State and Texas, both at 7-2. and two. Uh, so, again, the Bears are not that far off. They get a matchup with a Kansas team that has been kind of up and down this year, a team that Baylor's already beaten once this season, and a team that Baylor should be able to beat um, in this game coming up. And then it starts to get a little bit more challenging with two ranked matchups. But if the Lady Bears or if the Bears can figure it out and continue to get better and better, I, I still think there's an outside shot that they could win this conference. It's just in those big matchups against ranked opponents, they're really going to have to come through and find a way to win some of those games. Yep. Uh, all you ask for is an opportunity. They give themselves one by winning games like they did on Saturday. So Iowa State and Texas both at 7-2. and two. They're both on win streaks right now as well. Uh, Oklahoma, West Virginia, Baylor, all with three losses. Then you got KU at 4-4, four and four, Oak State at 4-5. and five. Texas Tech at three and five, K State two and seven, TCU forget about it. They're zero and nine, uh, so that's where they stack up right now in uh, in women's basketball in the Big Twelve. So should be a, a fun little race to the end because there's a lot of uh, teams that are jam packed there. So a uh, good win for Nikki Collin and company. And as we mentioned, Kansas coming up on Wednesday at home, and then the big trip uh, to the Hilton Coliseum to take on number twelve. Iowa State. So there's a little basketball uh, for you on this frigid day. Again, coming up here in a little less than 30 minutes now, Smokey and Paul will be in studio joining me as we will have our usual three-hour show. But instead of three to six, it will be one to four because the Big 12 schedule dropping here in less than 30 minutes. And Grayson, let's go ahead and pivot in that direction. Um, you're not going to be able to obviously discuss it today with us. We'll, I guess, have our thoughts. I'll have my thoughts out there prior to, and I'm, maybe you'll write up something. Uh, but as far as us discussing the schedule, that will have to wait until next week to really dive in. There was, however, uh, once we got word that the schedule was going to be coming out, uh, a little bit of a disruption in the in the flow of things. You know, all 14 teams now, yes, 14 teams with the new schools officially entering. Uh, we're going to be dropping these schedules today in about 27 minutes from now. But one team just got a little overzealous, and somebody on their side of things, that being uh, TCU, uh, I guess loaded something early, hit the wrong button, whatever you want to call it, but very briefly, a schedule, a full schedule for 2023 appeared on the official TCU website, had all of their games lined up. The only thing missing, obviously, would be TV times. Uh, So if this is to be believed, everybody in the conference who's playing TCU is now aware of it, and one of those teams is Baylor. So if you're wondering if Baylor and TCU are going to play, it does look like they will be playing. That's a game that I feel like you have to have on the schedule, Uh, but it looks like if, in fact, that TCU leak was correct, and there's no reason to believe that it wasn't, Baylor will be playing in Fort Worth on Saturday, November the 18th, and that's the one note that we kind of know uh, as far as the schedule, and again, uh, I'm pretty—I feel pretty confident this was about as official of a leak as as you could have looked like, and there was no real point in, in 
you know, pranking anybody here. Uh, but your thoughts on the schedule coming out here in just a short while, things you're looking forward to, things you're wondering about, have at it in terms of the 2023 schedule. I think the biggest thing that I'm going to be looking for on the Baylor side of things is if we kind of get a sense of who those natural, almost every single year rivalries will be. Um, now, I'm not saying that that's going to be the case every year, but I do feel like we'll kind of get a little bit of um, – a little bit of knowledge on, okay, so who's always going to play Baylor? Or will there be teams that always play Baylor every year? Um, I think there should be, and I hope that there is. And so if that's the case, then I'm hoping, you know, a couple teams on that schedule, such as Texas Tech, TCU, um, I think those are the two teams that I feel like have to be on Baylor's schedule. It really, in my eyes, wouldn't really make sense for them not to be. Um, And then outside of that, you know, I hope that Baylor gets to play – you know, at least one of Texas or Oklahoma. I feel like getting Texas uh, back uh, in McLean Stadium is something that definitely should happen. You know, Baylor definitely wants to get some revenge there. Um, And Oklahoma would also have to travel to Waco. So I think those two games would also be great to see. And, you know, we'll see. But I think the biggest thing is trying to figure out, okay, who are they going to essentially make as, you know, Baylor's rivals going forward in the new Big 12? And obviously, I think most teams are probably going to get uh, two games, at least two of the four new teams on their schedule or something along those lines. Um, so I'm also kind of in that regard, hoping that Baylor's going to play BYU and maybe UCF, even though Houston makes a little bit more sense in that regard. Um, I just, I think those two would be great matchups for the Bears. But I think in general, the most likely outcome is that BYU is back on the schedule. Houston will probably be on the schedule and those will likely be the two teams that Baylor plays out of the new teams. At least that's my guess um, on these type of things. Uh, But I think those are the biggest things in my eyes that I'm going to be looking for is, again, the natural rivalries. And then, of course, we're all going to be looking for who do Texas and OU play and where do they play them? You know, how hard is the Big 12 going to try to make their schedule? Um, Because I think they should try to make it extremely hard uh, in their last season in the Big 12. Well, if this TCU schedule that was leaked last night is to be believed, and I would love to know if this is, in fact, what the real schedule is, and there's, again, no reason to believe that it's not. I would love to know what the reaction was in Fort Worth last night when everyone realized that they had sent that out, unless it was, like, intentional, like, have everybody talking about us and really get a buzz going for it, but I don't know that they thought it out that much. seems like somebody just probably hit the wrong button. But on their schedule, it does have them at Houston and home versus BYU. They will not play UCF or Cincinnati. So um, just two of right. the new schools on their their side of things. What's very interesting about that TCU schedule is their last month of November <laughs> at Texas Tech, home versus Texas, home versus Baylor at Oklahoma. So that's that can be looked at a couple of different ways. What a heck of a final month, but also what a heck of a final month <laughs> like that. You could go... <laughs> Seven and zero, and then you know potentially lose like your last four. And they got K State to close out the month of October, so that's a five game, you know, situation right there where you could get really sideways quickly. But uh, yeah, uh, be very interesting and exciting to see uh, who is on this schedule. Um, and, and I'm like you, I think you know BYU makes a lot of sense, uh, but you know very curious of where a UCF or a Cincinnati falls into things and. You know, the thing about it, too, is there's somebody not – like, TCU's not playing Oklahoma State next year. So, mm-hmm. yeah, who, who does Baylor miss out on that normally they would be playing otherwise? Um, that's my, that's to be – Go ahead. 
Yeah, I think my my guess on that is, and again, this is just all kind of guessing, right? We're we're all sure. guessing what the schedule is going to look like. But except for when TCU, I, look at this, I mean, it makes yeah, right. Except for TCU, I look at this and I go, okay, West Virginia is probably going to play Cincinnati and UCF. I think that's probably going to happen. Like, if you just go off of geography, I think that makes a lot of sense. You look at Iowa State; they're probably going to play Cincinnati as well, or um, something along those lines. So my guess is that Baylor's probably going to miss up, miss out on a couple of the the North teams. So whether that's Iowa State or West Virginia or Kansas State or Kansas, I think they'll probably miss out on one of those four. Um, is my guess, or two of the four? I guess is TCU missing out on two of their usual teams. Uh, Oklahoma State and Kansas, Kansas, right? Yep. Yeah. So Baylor will have to miss out on two as well, and my guess is it's probably going to be two of those four teams I just named, Kansas State, Kansas, Iowa State, West Virginia, just going off of geography. Um, And then, again, like you said, I think my guess is that it's probably going to be BYU and Houston, uh, who Baylor's probably going to have to play uh, in conference play. Again, that's just going off of geography, but that's kind of my best guess right now. But you're exactly right. The TCU schedule is very interesting. They get a bye before November, which is great. Uh, but then it's like rivalry month <laughs> for, yeah. for them with that Tech, Texas, Baylor, Oklahoma. It's uh, it's going to be a heck of a ride for them. And their schedule in general is tough. They also have to go to Iowa State, to Kansas State, uh, and to Houston if that schedule's right. But that makes sense because this past year the schedule was not a cakewalk, but a lot of their toughest games were at home. Uh, which was a huge benefit for them. Yeah, no, it definitely was. I mean, I think that if you're Brett, you're marking that he wasn't the only one that had a hand in the schedule. Or I didn't know how much of a hand he really had, but if you were setting it up like people who are going to potentially after that Georgia loss, like doubt TCU, that people see them at like potentially seven and zero, but then they'll be convinced after like that last five week stretch of whether TCU's for real or not because of the the way that that's set up uh, at Manhattan at Lubbock. Texas, Baylor, at Oklahoma. I mean, you know, so they, they could get off to a really good start. But, again, that's that's what we'll be doing with the Baylor schedule and other Big 12 schedules as they are released here in about 20 minutes from now. Smokey and Paul have arrived. They're gearing up for our special 1-4 to four broadcast of uh, our usual 365 sports show, but bumping it up a little bit earlier to coincide with with this long-awaited schedule release. So, Grayson, with the time that we do have remaining, I think we've touched on everything from the big uh, Day of Champions weekend, uh, new commit, and some walk-on commits, and some basketball, and now some schedule. I don't know that we're going to have time for all these mailbag questions, so we might have to address these that we don't get to separately at some other point in time, carry them over, whatever you'd like to do there. Just address them you know, in that thread if you want, but just let me know there. I will, though, attempt to rip through as many of these as possible. So are you ready to go and answer some mailbag questions? Let's do it. I think we might be able to get through all of them. We'll see. All right. Chris C. Bear, well, this won't take much time. Uh, 2023 football schedule. What we just talked about that, and we know that's now coming out. So Chris got that in, obviously, before the Big 12 uh, announced that that would be coming out today. Uh, So, yeah, Chris, that'll be answered um, not in this podcast, but in the following show. BU Bear 94 DFW. Who's QB1 when Big 12 play starts? Uh, I'm going to go with Sawyer Robertson on that. I, for, for whatever reason, I just I feel like he's going to win this job at some point this year, whether it's the first game or a little bit later in the year. Um, that's not to say that I don't think this quarterback competition is going to be intense and extremely close. It's just kind of my hunch at this moment. 
Okay, well, uh, I think I'll go Blake Shapin. I mean, if Blake, I feel like if Blake Shapin's got some, some you know what to him. I mean, I, I feel like he's taking these last few months as a challenge. Hopefully, and as, as any player should uh, take the off season just as a challenge to get better in general. But a lot of doubters, Grayson. A lot of doubters when it comes to to Blake Shapin. So this is going to be a very intriguing off season. And and yeah, Sawyer Robertson's there to compete. So if that were to happen, that would obviously be a major storyline. I'll still stick with Blake Shapin though. When Big Twelve play starts, by the end of it, who knows? But by by the time that starts. I'll stick with uh, the normal QB1 there. Pawpaw Bear. And, Gary, if you want to chime in on this, too, as well, what women's basketball players do you expect to take step forward, take, take steps forward in February to help the team get some wins? That's from Pawpaw Bear. Yeah, I mean, I think, like Garrett said, I, I think they probably need it to be Jaden Ellen. I think that's the one they need it to be. Now the question is, will she be the one who takes that step? I don't know, but you know what? I'll go ahead and go with her because I think she's the one they need to take that step. I would agree. I think it's definitely got to be Jade, and I think she's felt the heat the past few weeks, and she kind of stepped up to the challenge this past uh, game in Tech. Uh, but I would also look for Bella Fauntleroy to kind of step up her game as well. Uh, she, When she comes off the bench, she at times she could be the real true spark they need. So those are the two I'd keep an eye on. All right, good stuff, guys. Uh, thank you, Papa Bear. Flomo Mike, at a high level, how frequently does a preferred walk-on earn a scholarship? Yeah, that's a good question, and it's one that's really hard to really find an answer for. I tried to do some research on and try to figure out exact percentages or anything like that, but there really isn't anything for that because you also have to add in walk-ons and guys who weren't preferred walk-ons because they're two different things. But I think in general, as far as Baylor goes, the longer a recruit or the longer a walk-on is on the team, the better chance they have at earning a scholarship at the end. And we've seen that in the past. Baylor has added guys um, to the scholarship list as they've been there for a while, but it usually doesn't happen immediately after a freshman year, uh, except in rare cases. Scotty, be the Baylor king on the scale of 1 to 10 in terms of least annoying to most annoying when the Farrell Center has a good away crowd to the point of Arkansas from last Saturday. I would say nine. I just hope we won't have that issue against Texas Tech. So, Scotty B saying nine, almost as high as you can get on his most annoying scale, uh, Arkansas showing visitors-wise at the men's basketball game last weekend. I mean, I get why it's annoying, but I also think that it just shows how much the opposing program cares about their team. And, I, I mean, you would hope that Baylor's doing the same thing when they go on the road too. And I, I know it, they probably aren't to this level, um, but I think if, if Baylor was doing that, everyone would be really happy and excited about that. Um, but when an, an opposing team does it, it's definitely annoying. You know, it's hard when you're in a your own stadium and you start hearing the opposing fan base being pretty loud. That's not exactly a great time. So I'd probably put it at a seven though, because to me that's, that's what's expected, and that's just something that shows that the opposing team's fans really care. I think there needs to be more Baylor babies. I think you got to grow the army, right? You got to got to start producing yeah. some Baylor. You got got to get enrollment up. Uh, allow some some new some new folks in to to try and grow the fan base. But yeah, I mean that's that's a challenge, and uh, Arkansas definitely showed up and showed out. Master Pierce, MPH. Do you think Langston Lovell continue to get plagued by the injury bug, thus limiting his impact on the team this season and future seasons? It seems like once a player gets an injury like his initial one, they always struggle to maintain health a la squirrel in football. 
it's very difficult once you get injured to the level that Langston was to really get all the way back to where you're not dealing with injuries. I, I understand that, but I also think he's been pretty available this season. I know yeah. he didn't play last game, but he's been pretty, I think, healthy for a guy that was coming off the injury he had a year ago. Now, maybe he's going to be a situation kind of like Cryer and Flagler who have had these injuries and then those things just start lingering and they miss a couple games here and there. But in general, I haven't seen anything that tells me that Langston is injury prone, at least not up to this yeah, I, I, I mean, I think it's – I understand where the question's coming from, but I, I think right now that's not, you know, uh, a main concern. But, um, but yeah, you know, I, I definitely think that there's some – what some, probably some uh, lingering effects from Squirrel Williams up and down health status. And, and now anytime somebody gets health or gets uh, hurt and then maybe gets hurt again soon after, it's like, oh, my gosh, is this going to be a recurring thing? I, I wouldn't worry too much about that. Um, right now with Langston Love, but, but yeah, we need to get need to get him healthy. Bear Love eighty nine, your guess for how many Bears transfer out after spring ball, seeing where they are on the depth chart. Uh, I think at this moment I'm going to go with around five. I think they lose five more guys between now and uh, I guess fall camp. That would be. I would also say that when we get you know the spring football roster at the first day of spring practices we're probably going to see a name that's not on the list or a name or two that aren't on the list. That tends to happen every single season. So it wouldn't shock me if we find out a, a name or two are gone uh, when spring ball does start. Um, but I'll go with five total from now until fall camp begins. Uh, all right. So let's see here. A couple more to go. And, and you know what? I mean, there were some, some names that we just threw around, I mean, off the air and whatnot that, kind of surprising that that maybe could have entered the transfer portal or what it wouldn't have been as surprising if they had and they didn't and so it's kind of hard to gauge right uh, when it comes to to who exactly I mean there might be some that are more obvious than others but we don't know what kind of conversations are happening behind the scenes and what the coach's expectations are but I, I think five's about fair that's probably going to be just sort of the the average uh in this day and age and, and for a program like Baylor's that's it's probably about right I mean they've already added 10 guys lost nine I believe it last counts. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see where that eventually falls. But as we mentioned earlier, a tight scholarship limit for 2024. Uh, less than 20 scholarships available. More around 15-ish. Uh, Bear Love 89, we just read that question there. So go on to Cyber Bear. Two questions to go. Is A.J. McCarty's brother on Baylor's radar yet? Yeah, Quentin McCarty. Uh, he's been on the radar for a little while now. Now, uh, it's not crazy. Like, the interest isn't insane. I don't think he was at junior day or anything like that, at least to my knowledge at this time. But he's on the radar. They're looking at him. They're evaluating him. He was district uh, MVP um, for his district. So, a very talented player, a guy who's about 6'1", 270. So, yeah, he's on the radar, but not one that hasn't offered quite yet. All right, and our final question is from J.S. Stewart. Uh, what is the future of the Big 12 basketball uh, being in another challenge with a major conference midseason again? It's sad that the SEC Big 12 challenge ends. Great action in games, well-attended, enthusiastic crowds no matter the venue, and a good respite from the rigors of conference play. Is the Big 12 looking for a replacement? Right, so the SEC is playing the ACC starting next season. They're starting their challenge um, with them. I believe the Big 12 has a two-year or a three-year 
challenge type thing with the Big East coming up. Um, and then I think after that, you could see something where the Big 12 and the Big 10 uh, create something. I think that would be one that everyone would be very excited about. So I do think that there uh, is interest in adding a midseason challenge, but I don't think that'll be for, I guess, three years because I think, I, I could be wrong on this, but I think I remember something about the Big East and the Big 12 having some sort of some sort of challenge the next couple of years. Yeah, they've, they've been having that, I believe. Uh they had supposed to have some in 2020. Those got canceled uh, because of COVID. Uh, they had it in 2019 as well. So they've had it for the past two, three years. Um, and I know that there's, yeah, started in 2019. Um, and they had it in 2020. That was a tie. 2021, five and five. 2022, they went five and five. And so yeah, they they've been they've been doing that the last few years. So that that is set up. But yeah, I would imagine that there's going to be some other setup that they have because that like this you know was pointed out. There's good games, enthusiastic crowds, all that stuff. It definitely creates a little bit of a buzz. You get some of that conference pride going, and you know you want to represent the conference and all of that. So uh, there is that Big East challenge, and yeah, I don't know what else might be on the docket there uh, to answer the rest of your question or to answer your question in full, but. Um, try and, and look into that or try and figure out if there's not something like that or maybe somebody else can can chime in on uh, what the answer is there. But, yeah, uh, the Big 12 SC Challenge was fun and unfortunate that it's going away, but uh, good for fans of the Big 12 Conference. They were able to go out and uh, kind of puff their chest out a little bit because they did win in, in dominant fashion. So thank you for the question there. Thank you to everybody else uh, in the mailbag uh, this week. And... Grayson, uh, we got a schedule dropping in less than 10 minutes for the Big 12, long awaited. Uh, we'll let you go here as we get ready to, to get set for our 1-2-4 show with uh, Smokey and Paul joining me here at the table in just a second. Uh, but anything before we leave here, as far as just the website, as far as uh, stuff coming out of this weekend, anything you'd like to add before we head out? I'm just proud of us, Craig. We were able to get through the show efficiently, quickly, able to lead you all into – uh, this Big 12 schedule drop. So it should be a lot of fun listening to y'all. So don't forget, don't leave. Uh, go to the 365 Sports channel immediately. They're going to start up here in, I guess, the next five minutes probably uh, for the schedule drop. Outside of that, be sure to check out Sikkim 365 Premium. We have all kinds of news and content uh, regarding recruiting over the weekend and, of course, uh, football, basketball, every single sport you can possibly think of. So uh, we have a lot of good things on that end. And then, of course, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6, uh, 365 Sports on our YouTube page. Be sure to check that out as well. Yes, except for today because that will be heading your way in about five minutes from now. But uh, to recap, Colton Siraki, big-time 2024 commit for the uh, Baylor Bears out of the Woodlands High School, joins his brother Caden on the roster or ultimately will join him on the roster. Got New walk-on commit as well. You can check out more information on that over on Sikkim365.com as well. So just some of the, the after effects of this past uh, recruiting weekend. Uh, obviously, basketball, women coming off a win, men losing last night to Texas, but right in the thick of things when it comes to the Big 12 races, both teams. So a lot of discussion on that as well. So, yes, check out Sikkim365.com, in particular the premium section for all things Baylor Athletics or this very YouTube channel as well. Hit subscribe if you haven't already. And now, as we do bid Grayson adieu, do appreciate him. We do appreciate you as well for listening, watching the Bearcast, however you digest it. Thank you to Jack McKenzie and Garrett Ross. 
But coming up in six minutes, the Big 12 is set to release their 2023 schedule. We'll have that over on the 365 Sports YouTube channel. Three-hour show coming your way, breaking down the schedule, not only for the Bears, but also across the Big 12. So thank you. Hit like. Hit subscribe and head on over to the other page, 365 Sports. We're coming your way in just a few minutes. Thanks for listening. It's been the Bearcast on Sikkim365.com.